Okay, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. And this is what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And in this Lord's Prayer, there are six items that I'm going to be talking about over the course of the next four weeks. This one today is Your Kingdom Come. And we'll put this in the context of the Lord's Prayer. So do not, do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then Jesus says, Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you can, you can draw a line right, right there. There's a separation between these first three verses and the next three that we're going to get to in the next few weeks. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. There's a separation there between the two. The first part of this petition, this, this model prayer that the Lord gave us, is focused on Him. It's directed towards Him. Our Father, which is in heaven, we need to hallow His name. Your kingdom come, and Thy will be done. Give us this day. We, we, we point the first half of the prayer towards the king. And now we say in our petition to him, give us this day our daily bread. Let me get through today. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven others. Don't lead us into temptation. That's going to be a fun one when we get to that in a couple of weeks. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. When we set our face towards the cross of Christ, when we set our glance and our gaze upon Him, and we pray this way, our Father, He's our Father. And some of us had great dads. Some of us had stinky dads. Some had no dads. But we can take great joy in saying, our Father, which art in heaven. We have a loving, caring father that knows how to treat his children. When we came to faith in Christ and we were adopted as sons and daughters, he is now our father. He's not just some king of the universe that's out there that's not known to us. He's not just some far-off entity. He's not just some far-off principle somewhere. He is our father. And all the things that come with that. You know what I think about? In the context of my own kids, what father-son, father-son relationships are like. Sometimes we're loving and caring, and, and I remember picking them up as babies and smelling that smell. You just, oh, they're so cute, the baby powder. And then they get to high school, and you want to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> they don't smell like baby powder anymore. And you have to come down hard on them sometimes. A loving father that doesn't come down hard on his kids when they need it. There's no loving father. Our loving father in heaven comes down on us, too. When we make stupid choices, when we do things, I don't know if stupid is the right word to be using for the pulpit, but when we make choices that are just not right, 
there's consequence to sin. He has to chastise us. And I, and I, I don't like being chastised. I didn't like chastising the kids. That She was the great chastiser. I was the great appeaser. But a loving father loves and nourishes and nurtures and cuddles and holds and comes down when he needs to come down. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, even when you're crushing me, even when it seems insurmountable, our Father knows best. Where is he? He's in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, sanctified be your name, set apart be your name. And now for today's three little words. Your kingdom come. It's his kingdom. And it's a shame, not a shame, but it's, it's the word kingdom here in the original language is actually, almost every time it's used in the New Testament, is reign. So it's not that, that God has a fortress on top of a hill in Jerusalem, and that's his kingdom. And we're his pawns out there. This word kingdom is his reign. The reign of the universe is under control of God the Father, the king of the universe. This is his kingdom. We're all subject to him. And what, what does he say here? Your kingdom, come. His kingdom is in heaven. His kingdom is here. And this word come in the original is a real strong word. It's come now, hurry, quick, come quickly, Lord, and take control of your kingdom. You're enthroned in heaven. You're in control over the universe. Imagine where we would be in this universe if God was not in control. We were driving to the market yesterday. And to look up and see those blue skies and those big, beautiful, white, puffy clouds. And, and she said, how can people say there's not a God in heaven? That, that's his kingdom. If he were not in control, this word, world would be in chaos beyond what it's in, in now. And I was thinking about this, too. There was an earthquake in Michigan. And one of her friends sent out a picture, her cousin sent out a picture about this big old earthquake and a chair toppled over something. And I, my mind works in mysterious ways. I was, I was driving down the road thinking about an earthquake. In fact, just coming this morning. Why doesn't the world split apart? It's out in the middle of the universe. It's spinning at a gajillion miles an hour. It's got pressures of gravity and pull of the sun and the moon. Everything's, and it doesn't fall apart. And it's in the same spot it's been in for forever. It hasn't varied this much 10 feet or that much 4 feet. You know, I'm not a scientist, but the scientists say if it went a foot this way or four foot this way, there would be problems. God keeps this earth spinning in exactly where it has to be. Exactly where it has to be. The, the tilt has to be this exact way so that the snow caps don't melt over here and they get summer when we get winter. It's, it's all in his control. Our Father, which art in heaven, your kingdom is this earth. Hallowed be your name for all the little things. All the big things. He's in control. Now, I remember when uh, I, I talked with the scouts. I was their chaplain for uh, seven or eight years or so. And one of the neatest things that these kids love to hear about was God in control of the universe. And I, it, I, I was amazed at it, too. In fact, this, this message was my audition message for the chaplaincy of the scouts. Different way. I had to cram it all into 15 minutes, but it was this message. But the, the universe is so big 
that if, if you as a human could stand on the earth and you could reach up and touch the sun, the heat of the sun, it would take like three or four days for the pain that you felt from the, the sun to reach you. That, that's how far apart the sun is from us. And that's just this little bit. It's a big universe. It's a big world. That big God, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. There's uh, five points. Three points. And I'm going to get them. There's five pages of two points. <laughs> and I wanted to write these down. Normally I don't do this the last couple weeks because there's important things I don't want to miss it. When we as a church think about the kingdom of God, we sometimes think the church is the kingdom of God and everybody outside of the church is not part of the kingdom, right? The church is not the kingdom of God. The early church preached the kingdom is near, the kingdom is at hand. They never preached the church is at hand, the church is near. They were the early church fathers, the, the, the disciples were focused on the kingdom. Jesus uses that word so often throughout the New Testament. I could have page after page after page of the usage of that word. They were solely focused on preaching the kingdom of God, not the building of God, not the, not the temple on top of the stones in Jerusalem, the reign of God. They wanted the people to know if you turn to Christ and his reign, his kingdom will be fulfilled in your life. And I've got some passages here. Acts 8.12 But when they, this is the crowd, when the crowd, when they believed Philip's preaching, he was preaching the good news about the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ and they were being baptized, men and women alike. He was preaching. They believed. He preached the kingdom of God. They believed and they were baptized. They are now in the kingdom of God. Martin talks about it all the time. Eternity doesn't start when we get there. Eternity is now. The kingdom is here. The reign of God is here. To be sure, if I get to the last point, he is coming again. And he's going to set up his kingdom on this earth. Acts 19.8. And then he, this is Paul, he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for months. Reasoning, using his mind, reasoning it out. What? Come to the church, come to the program, come in and, and watch the show? He was persuading them about the kingdom of God. That was the point of their message. The kingdom of God. Not the church, not the programs, not the schemes, not the different ways of doing things. They, they were set like flint. Persuading them about the kingdom of God. Acts 20, 25. And now, behold, I, this is Paul again, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see me. Paul was there. He was leaving Ephesus. And he says, I've been preaching the kingdom of God and you're no longer going to see me. Pay attention. Mark down my words. I've told you about the kingdom and you're not going to hear from me again. I'll get right next week. The Ephesians men, what if they were thinking, okay, I heard about the kingdom. Paul said, kingdom, I'm preaching the kingdom. I'll get right with him next week. He gets hit with a chariot. Paul says, you're not going to see me again. I'm preaching the kingdom to you. Pay attention to it. Grab hold of it. Take it to your heart. Turn 
to your Father which art in heaven. He didn't preach a strange gospel. Acts 28 and 23. This is what Paul, he arrives in Rome. And when they had, had set a day for Paul, they knew he was coming. They came to him at his lodging in large numbers. And a whole bunch of people went to Paul. And what was Paul doing? He was explaining to them, the large crowds, by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God. Not, you better get to that church in Ephesus, you better get back to the one over there in Corinth. The kingdom of God was present in their preaching. And he wanted them to hear about it. Hear about the reign of God. Hear about the sanctity of the Father. Hear about the holiness of the gospel. By faith. And he was trying to persuade again with words to them concerning Jesus and the laws of Moses from the prophets and he was doing it from morning till evening not a mention of a program not a mention of a scheme not a mention of a church the kingdom of God was being proclaimed by the early disciples by the apostles by Christ himself second one the kingdom creates the church as people enter into the kingdom of God, they become joined to human fellowship of the local church. We preach the kingdom of God. People hear the gospel. They come into the church, not into the kingdom. They come into the kingdom when they heard the gospel and turned their hearts to Christ and said, Amen and Amen, I'm yours. They're part of the kingdom at that point. Then they become part of the church. So when Martin hands out those little booklets, the... the, the I don't want to speak for him, but the idea behind these booklets, the Daily Breads, is that's not a ticket into a church. That's something as a tool to make you aware of the kingdom. There, there's people in this community, I, I talk to them every once in a while, real nice people, but they haven't a clue about God. And I don't say that to be demeaning of them. It's just they, they don't understand. There's that, I told you about that really nice Jewish gentleman that I talked to, Mr. Fisher. A, a gentleman beyond gentlemen. He comes by and he drops things in the box. A Jewish fellow, he asked if he could come in one, one Sunday and listen to the, the ladies practicing. And he was weeping. I pray that he enters the kingdom. I don't care if he comes to the church. I don't care if he goes to one of the big ones downtown. I want Mr. Fisher in the kingdom. And where is he going to find the kingdom? In the church. Right? Oh, Mike, I think I'll stay home. I, I can get Joel Osteen on Sunday morning. That's my church. I'm good with that. That's not. You might be a good preacher. Mr. Stanley, great preacher. That's not church. That's a great preacher on TV or the radio. We need the fellowship, the koinonia, the, the gathering of the church to, to do many things, to edify each other, to support each other in prayer, to... To, to just to, the joy that I see when I stand back here, honestly, and I look out and I see the, the clogged artery of this aisleway, and we have to beg you to come back, I think that's great. That's the kingdom. That's the church. That's us loving each other. That's us not racing out the door. I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't want to give away all the secrets, you know, but when I watch <laughs> and I see that, you know, half hour after church, is good, there's still a bunch of people here. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't qualify anything. 
it's just neat to see. It's like when you, you, you gather Christmas with the family and you're all having a good time and you're sitting around the table and cutting it up and laughing and carrying on. And that's, what, that's what church should be. Not the stoic, I am come to praise the Lord and I shall go home and beat the dog. You know? We need to come together and love each other. The other side of that coin, sorry, the other side of that coin is discipline within the church. That's not in the notes, it just crossed my mind. But sometimes we have to have discipline in the church. And it, 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 I'll use me as the example. If it's directed towards me, right? If, I, if I'm up here and I said something I shouldn't have said, or I, I did a joke where I shouldn't have done a joke in the pulpit, you know, and somebody says to me, Mike, I don't think that's appropriate. That's good. But what's not good is when we see Mike did something not too very appropriate, and then we go out in the hallway, and we get, yeah. We fire off an anonymous email. Bob at AOL or something, you know, and let me have it. That's happened. Or you run down to the pastor down the street and say, you know what, Mike was preaching? This happened too. And a preacher called me and said, what are you doing over there? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, one of your congregants came over here and said, you're preaching something you shouldn't be preaching. I said, what did I say? And he told me, and I said, I'm crazy. I've never said anything like that. We, as a church body, as a family, need to have the support of each other. We need to be able to say, okay, if, if Mike said something that's inappropriate, that's not right, and didn't parse the verb properly, let's go to Mike. And I say, Mike, let's talk about this. Or maybe even go to Martin and say, can you talk to Mike? Like, I'm, that's okay, too. I got distracted now. Number three. The church witnesses to the kingdom. We represent the kingdom on this earth. When people look at us and they know we're believers, we represent somebody. The king. Our father, which art in heaven. We are his representatives. How do we represent? How, how did you represent our father this week? How did I represent our father this week. I hope we can say well. And if he can look down and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, you represented me well. But as a father, and if we didn't represent him well, he's not going to snuff us out. He's going to chastise us. Sin has consequences. And he's going to say, come, my child. Never says in scripture, you were my child, you're not my child any longer. your name in all situations, in all circumstances. His name be hallowed. Your kingdom, your reign, your universe. Come, come quickly. Hurry. We need you. They, the, they were, when Jesus was talking about them, the, these people were thinking that his kingdom was going to be set up when he, he's going to take over and kick the Romans out and he's going to reign on this earth. And he said, Jesus said, my reign is everywhere, from the furthest of the universe and beyond. We talked about that yesterday, too. I can't get my hand around eternity. I, I, I can't do it. You know, you go to the furthest part of the universe, the furthest part you can go, and it's one step further. You go to the other end of it, and you think you've reached the end of the universe, infinity, and it's one step more. You can't, I can't get my hand around that. 
I can't get my hand around, you cannot create something out of nothing. Right? I, I, I exposed my heart too many times up here. I'll just say it. I struggle with that. Where did God come from? If, if you can't have something from nothing, and God always existed, I, if for no other reason I can't wait to get to heaven so that I can say, Lord, help me with this one. Let me go back and tell my scouts about this one. Mr. O, Mr. O, tell me about infinity. I can't, little Johnny. I don't get it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom, thy reign, this entire universe. The church witnesses to the kingdom. Matthew 24, 14. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, this gospel, this good news of the kingdom. But he didn't say, this good news of me. This good news of the kingdom, of the reign of my lordship in this universe. This gospel of the kingdom shall be, not will be, might be, hope it gets done. This kingdom shall be preached in the whole world, in the entire world, around the globe, in places where you wouldn't think the gospel could get to. You, you see the chaos now over in the Middle East. The gospel surely couldn't get in there, could it? But Jesus said this is going to be preached. It's going to be preached in the whole world. Not to build a church, not to build a building, not to, to fill the house and pack them. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and the end will come. Jesus is saying, you get out there, and you preach it where you don't think it's going to be preached, and you, that's missionaries apart. This is missionary. Get out there to those crazy places. Get out to the places that are uncomfortable. Vaughn's, the teller at the, at the bank. The lady at, at McDonald's, go into that world so the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in McDonald's. And you don't have to get up like me with the Bible spread out. and You just have to say, our Father who art in heaven loves you. you know, and I hate pick on you, but you're like my, my pick on guy. When we go to restaurants, I see him. He, he doesn't stand up at the tables and tap dance. And I'm a Christian, look at me. After the meal, he writes a little note on the back of the business card for the, that little clerk or waitress or waiter or something. That's the gospel with legs on it. We can do that too. It's hard. It's hard to preach the gospel. It's hard to say, hey, brother, do you know Christ? It's not easy even for me. But it sure is easy after you get the change and you're ready to run off. You see the name tag, Sally. Sally, I'm going to pray for you today. You know, that's the easy thing to do. And then get out quick. The walls won't come down on you. Try it. Look at somebody's name tag. And look him in the face and say, I'm going to pray for you this week. And you, don't, you can get go fast. Or you can say, Sally, can I pray for you this week? Sally, what's bothering you? You know, I, I have a friend that she's just, she's crazy good at this, Francine. She looks for these opportunities. She, she, she's like a, a fifth sense when somebody's crushed and broken. And she, she, I don't know, it's the Holy Spirit, the gift of God. Her ministry is to, she can find broken people. And she's not afraid of it. She says, you broken person, I can see the weight on your shoulders. 
my name is Francine. How can I pray for you? I wish I had that boldness, to be honest with you. It's easy to get up in front of you, 10 people, 15 people, 100 people, and, and, and preach a message, but it's not easy to go one-on-one -on -one and say, Sally. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That was Matthew 24. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. This is our blueprint for believers, for missionaries, for us, individuals. 18, uh, Matthew 20, 16 through 20. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. Have you been there? A believer worshipping the Lord? I have doubts. Lord, help me with my unbelief. But when he saw them, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and said to them, Go out there now. Pack the churches. Make sure that we have all, you know, all the buildings packed. Make sure we have the PowerPoint dialed in. Make sure that the guitars are in tune and the drums are set up right. Make sure those chairs are lined up just right. Jesus came up to them and he spoke to them saying, All authority, our Father, which is in heaven, gave us all authority. It has been given to me in heaven, Jesus, and it has been given to me, Jesus, on earth. I have all authority. I am the king. I have reign. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Where Verse 19 says, this is the charge for us. Go, therefore, based on his authority in heaven, on earth, you go under his authority. You can't be afraid of Sally behind the counter. You've got authority from our Father which art in heaven. That's authority. He keeps the, the earth in its right place, and he gave us authority to go out and preach the kingdom of God. Therefore, go. Not maybe. And it therefore refers back to what he just said. All authority was given to me. I'm giving it to you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go out and get church members. He didn't say go out and pack the house for me. He says you go out and you make disciples, learners, followers. You do that for all nations. And you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, all authority he has in the universe, on this earth, he gives us this authority, but he gives us a task to do it. He says, you go out there and you make them disciples. I'm not going to do it. You do it. Put legs on your faith. Put legs on your walk. Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations. You baptize them. Not in my name, or not in my name. Not in the church's name. When we baptize somebody, we don't say, I'm baptizing you now in the name of Mountain View Baptist Church. In the name of the Father, our Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, you go out and make disciples, you baptize them, and then you teach them. You teach them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. 
He has given us authority based on his authority, and he's going to be with us to the end of the ages. We do this with his authority, with his validation. Fourth point. The church is the instrument of the kingdom. For the Holy Spirit is manifesting the power of the kingdom, works through disciples to heal the sick, to cast out the demons, just like he did in the ministry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is what does this. Not, uh, we don't do this on our own might. We don't do this on our own power. We don't do this on our own craftiness. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and do this, just like the disciples were, just like Jesus was. The, the, the Spirit came on Jesus at his baptism. That's what we need to do. We need to have the authority of Jesus Christ the King, of God the Father, with the, the tools of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this in people's lives, in our lives. I, I couldn't do it on my own power. I dare say none of us could do it on our own power. Matthew 10, 8. Go out and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and cast out the demon, demons freely as you have been freely given. What were we freely given? The Holy Spirit. We go out and do these things because the Holy Spirit is with us and powers us. Luke 10, 17. And the 70 returned with joy. They went out and they were preaching what? The kingdom. They came back and they returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. He has power over all of them. And the disciples were amazed. We followed you all this, these months and months and we saw this happening and we are shocked. We went out and did it, and it happened, Lord. Finally, the church is the custodian of the kingdom. We, and I take this charge really seriously. This one, this one really, for me, the church is the custodian of the kingdom. We are the keepers of the kingdom. That's why in my life, Doctrine and theology are so vitally important. You know, in this day and age, again, I'll just open up my heart and be honest with you. In this day and age, it's a lot easier sometimes to be soft on some of the stuff that's in the Bible. You know, when God says you shouldn't sin, and, and it's not really that bad of a sin. You know, after all, the, the two men, they love each other. They care for each other. They're gentle and kind with each other. They're probably good parents. This goes against scripture. So I as a pastor can't say, and I have gay friends. I can't soften my stance on that one subject just because I like them. I don't have to be an arrogant, pompous idiot, but I have to say, I cannot do your wedding. I can attend. You know, maybe that goes against, you know, go therefore into all the world. And if I can't go into places because the elder board might think I shouldn't be there, but God commanded me to go there, I go there. But I don't go there to have a party and, and engage in, in all the frolic and joy of that event. I go there to be a light. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name in the midst of a sinning world. 
He's not God the Father just in the churches. And he's not God the Father just in the good, nice places, Disneyland. He's God the Father everywhere. He reigns over everything. Go ye therefore into the world and make disciples. Well, I'm going over there. They, they, they're not, they're, they're crummy disciples. I was a crummy person before I came to faith in Christ. I was a little guy, but I was a crummy person. What if somebody said, that little Irish Catholic kid, he doesn't need to hear the gospel. He's just a crummy little Irish Catholic kid. Where would I be today some 50 years later? Somebody reached out to me, a crummy little seven-year-old, and said, Mike, Tony, you're a good warrior for Jesus. And you know, I've told the story before. I got that little card in the Catholic Church. They have prayer cards. And this lady, Christine Close, back in 1965, May 7th, she wrote on this card, Tony, you're going to be a great warrior for Christ. A little Irish Catholic kid doing the incense thing with all the other boys out in the back. You know, after church service, we monkey around with it and make loop-de-loops with it. And that little troublemaker. Somebody didn't look at me and say, he's not worth it. Move on next. That's the way we need to look at people. Not move on next. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name in this event, in this encounter with Sally behind the counter, in this event, your name be all. Let me introduce you. Not turn my back on you. I think about those, you know, my friends at the Set 3 ministry. I was there two, two Mondays ago, and it was the same guys I'd run into a bunch of times. If you were to look at these guys coming down the street at you, you would probably cross the street. They are a rough-looking group. But I get more bear hugs out of these guys because somebody took the time to say, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. You don't understand. I, I, I take drugs. Good. Stop. Let me introduce you to Christ. You're not disqualified from Christ because you take drugs. You come to faith in Jesus Christ, and he'll kick the drugs out of your life. That's the message that these guys have. And something else struck me up there. I promise I'll wrap it up. When they came out to greet me, a couple of them were smoking. We're on hallowed ground here. We're on the church property. That's okay. That's okay. They came to faith in Christ. They got off drugs. Now they got to lick cigarettes. They'll do it. Put yourself there. What would you not want to get up here and say, I've got this sin. I dare none of us would. He can reach you at that point. Whatever it is, we are the custodian of this kingdom. Let's give a couple pages here. We'll wrap it up with this. <coughs> this is where I want to close. This will be our, our takeaway. Eventually, Jesus will return and his kingdom reign will extend over all creation on this earth. He's going to come back for a millennial reign. He's going to come down from the heavens. Heaven's going to be split open and Christ the king is going to come down. You don't want to wait till then to make your decision for Jesus Christ. Today <coughs> is the appointed hour. He came first in the little manger He's going to come back as a reigning king, and he's going to have some expectations. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28, and then the end comes, and 
when he hands over the kingdom to God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power, for he must, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. He's not coming back in a manger. He's not going to be on the back of a donkey going to the cross. He's going to come back. And he's going to abolish all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be abolished is death, for he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put under subjection, it is evident that he is expected. Those who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subject to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who is subjected to all things to him, so that God may be all in all. Paul writes some pretty hard stuff. Christ is ruler over all. Christ is king over all. Christ will come again. Make your decision for Jesus Christ while you can. Sin has consequences. The biggest sin is not coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The biggest sin that I could commit is not to tell you that. Not to presume that all everybody here has come to faith in Christ. If you have not made a decision for Jesus Christ, do it today. Not in a showy way, not in a coming up here to me kind of way. Turn your heart towards Jesus Christ and say, Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. His will is that you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Make that decision today. Call me. Text me. Email me. I'll drive back from L.A. Mark will go from Cat City anywhere. Reach out to us. And if you, if you are a believer here, he's your father. This is his reign. It's not out of control. Jesus Christ loves you. He's adopted you as his children. Seek him. Com draw comfort from him in the times that are not very comfortable. Our Father, which art in heaven, loves you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, we're so grateful this Sunday that we can come in here, Lord, that we can look at these weighty words of Paul and try to unwind them and use them in our life, Lord. My prayer this week is, Lord, that you... You just make yourself known to all of us. Give us the opportunities to meet the lady across the counter. Give us the boldness to say something to them. Don't be afraid, Lord. Don't let us be afraid of, of people that don't look like us or sound like us. Give us all authority in your name. We love you, and it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. And ladies, next Saturday we have an opportunity to pray. Hear the gospel of Jesus Christ.